Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. As you all are very well aware, we are in a very unusual time for us here at Dog Nation because of the sadness we've endured uh, based on the news that came out on Saturday night. And as we talked about a lot on yesterday's show, it is not easy to know how to respond to all of this and certainly kind of coming up with the words that that convey all of the appropriate feelings. That's just not an easy thing to do whatsoever. And when it comes to grief and things like that, people kind of move at their own pace on these kinds of things. And so when you wake up today and you know you've got a show to do, you're left to wonder, well, what do you talk about? And, and, and what kind of mood is the audience going to be in on a day like this? And it is not easy to know. And so as I was kind of planning what we're going to do today, I, I guess the conclusion that I drew was, okay, we're just going to kind of talk about the news. And, you know, some of the fun stuff that we like to do, maybe we're not quite ready to do all of that yet. And I don't know when we will be. And some of the, you know, other things, hey, you know, you know, maybe we'll kind of sort of slowly work our way back towards that at some point in time, the same way that all of you have when it comes to, you know, specific situations in your own life. But for the people who are ready to hear about some football, let's give it to them and let's just let people choose for themselves what they're ready for. And if you're not quite ready for this, I totally get all of that. And I, I, I completely understand where that might be coming from. But we're just going to let people kind of decide for themselves and move at their own pace in terms of how much of the regular content of this show that they are ready to digest again. So, as I said before, there was a lot that came out yesterday, and we're just going to kind of walk through some of that right now. I'm going to give you a few thoughts on it, and we'll just sort of talk some football. And, and, and maybe some of this will be kind of the thing that gives you a little bit of comfort because maybe it distracts you from some of the other things that are going on or, or however this lands with you. We're just going to try to provide some of what we have typically done in the past and this and every other day we're just really really grateful to have you as a part of the show that we do here today obviously georgia got two very big commitments yesterday from the class of uh, 2025 i want to roll through both these guys here for a moment i'm going to give you a brief thought on them here let me show you justice terry and there was a a tweet jeff shared this in the story that he wrote dognation.com to give you an idea of of how big and sort of rocked up terry already is um this is a fantastic defensive lineman he's drawn comparisons to trayvon walker uh this is a guy who already according to the 24 7 sports composite is the number 35 player nationally for the class of 2025 he's the number six overall player in the state of georgia and the number four defensive lineman so it's easy to understand coming out of manchester georgia you know you know why he's getting those Trayvon Walker comparisons and that wasn't all for Georgia yesterday also Micah DuBose a terrific offensive lineman out of Mobile Alabama uh who also brings some big size to the table I think we have a little bit of a photo here of uh, Micah to show a nice dog nation edit he's already 6'5 315 pounds uh out of Mobile another one of these guys that's very highly rated this is a top 50 player nationally for the class of 2025 these are the kinds of recruits that you celebrate and in particular i guess what comes to mind for me about both these guys is 
there was something that Kirby Smart said many, many years ago. And this is one of those things that, like, I try to collect a lot of audio and things like that. But over the course of time, you just sort of lose some of it. I'm never quite sure where it goes. But uh, there was some audio I used to have of Kirby, and I've lost it. And I've even tried to go back and find it. It was from his very first year at George in 2016. And it's just sort of hard to find because, you know, back then the, the video stuff wasn't quite as built out for anybody as it is now. And so some of this stuff is just not quite as well archived from way back then as the, you know, the current era in which we live in. But on, I think it was signing day uh, uh, in 2016, Kirby Smart talked about the way in which you win with big guys, offensive and defensive linemen, your line of scrimmage type guys. He talked about the fact that these are always long range recruitments because there are just fewer of them. I wish I had this audio to play for you. It was so good. And I remember thinking, gosh, this is a really thoughtful thing for a first year coach to be saying at the time. And obviously, you know, Kirby Smart has sort of lived this philosophy the rest of the time that he's been in Georgia. But he talked about how just these, you know, these line of scrimmage recruits, these big guys, they're just long range recruitments. You have to have relationships with them that last over the course of years if you want to win with them and I don't think that those words are proven any better than what you see going on right now you know this is not the current recruiting cycle we're still actually we're still technically sort of in the final days of the 2023 cycle the 2024 guys are about to have kind of next man up status and this is the following cycle after that it's 2025 but if you want to win with guys like this this is the time that you do it you've got to have a relationship built over the course of years and you better have been on them first you better have been you know you know you know, getting deep and connected with them at a time in which some other programs are maybe panicking, trying to grab whoever they can in the transfer portal to kind of meet their immediate need. If you're a team like Georgia, you're not quite so worried about what's urgent. You're worried more about what's important, which means looking to the future and say, who are the best offensive and defensive linemen two cycles from now? And let's make sure that we are in the best possible relationship with all of them. In the case of Terry and DeBose here, you see the, the, the proof of that. And I think it also kind of demonstrates why it is that Georgia is such a successful program and and the feeling that Georgia fans should never take for granted about your team when you go into uh, a, a really big game like the TCU game is a perfect example of this where the opponent seems to always have some sort of game plan that kind of sounds a little bit like this well Georgia's got the clear advantage on the offensive and defensive line but we're gonna have to do this 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 and this as a way of trying to mitigate against that like certainly TCU is an example of that we can't really match what Georgia does in the offensive line we can't really match what Georgia does on the defensive line so therefore we better make sure we do this that and the third as a way of negating that and you don't have to be a football expert you don't have to be a former coach to understand that if that's the origin of your game plan then you're off to a really really bad start when it comes to actually beating Georgia if you're waving the white flag on both lines of scrimmage before the game even begins, then your chances of pulling that upset have just been greatly diminished. And listen, great programs make sure their strengths stay strong. And Georgia has had, obviously, great strength on the offensive and defensive line to the tune of two consecutive national championships. There's a reason why Georgia will also be ranked preseason number one here to uh, begin 2023 eventually there as well. It's the ability to kind of maintain that for the offensive line. And in the midst of everything that's going on for Georgia right now, pay close attention to the fact that Georgia is already building ahead to make sure they're doing this in the future too. That oftentimes those kind of recruits from a cycle beyond where we currently are, in this case kind of almost two cycles beyond where we currently are, doesn't always get a lot of notice. It doesn't always get a lot of attention. But what you saw on display yesterday, if you were you know even paying attention to it, is one of those things that sort of makes Georgia Georgia. Now, 
to switch gears completely now and talk about something totally different. There was a rumor that was out there that I have to admit I find to be kind of interesting, and a lot of Georgia fans would also probably say, well, this doesn't really feel like great news, and I understand where you're coming from on that. Jeremy Fowler is a good reporter for ESPN, and obviously we've kind of finished what we sort of feel like is the coaching carousel for college sports, but obviously the NFL, because the season starts a week later, the season's longer, the playoffs are just now beginning, we're sort of only just now kind of getting into the NFL coaching carousel, and that's going to be spinning pretty wildly here for the next few weeks. And Jeremy Fowler from ESPN uh, put this out yesterday that one college coach, I'm hearing that has garnered NFL offensive coordinator interest from teams this cycle, is Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Monken. Fowler writes on Twitter, He's had a successful run with the national champion Bulldogs. It is also the former uh, offensive coordinator of the Bucks and Browns. Many of you, of course, know he was play caller in Tampa Bay, was not the play caller there in Cleveland, but he does have, obviously, the NFL experience, as Jeremy kind of points out. Now, I will tell you the thought that I had about Munkin on Monday night. And I don't know if y'all uh, kind of feel, you know, this past Monday night, back when we are in Los Angeles. I don't know if y'all kind of feel this same way, but I have sort of felt this over the course of the last couple of years, that for whatever reason, and I talked to Todd Munkin myself about this at the uh, media day for the national championship, for whatever reason, like Todd Munkin has had this unbelievable level of success at Georgia. There's no doubt that he's completely transformed the offense. You look at the overall numbers in 2019, both stylistically and statistically, what happened for Georgia in 2020 and then 2021 and obviously then in 2022 it's this it's just dramatic improvement seemingly year over year over year and there's no doubt that Todd Munkin has been the architect of all that there's no doubt that Todd Munkin has you know I think been the instrument by which all that's been able to happen but are you like me and feeling like that even though that's kind of true that even though Munkin has had all that great success I actually don't really feel like Todd has gotten all that famous for what he's done at Georgia. And that's a weird thing to say because this past year, Monk, and I believe, according to the USA Today database, was the highest paid assistant coach in college football. And yet, all that said, I still don't think Munkin was getting the kind of chatter that some other offensive coordinators were getting. And listen, if that is true, and maybe you might say it's not, but if you just were to stipulate for a moment that it is true, there may be lots of reasons why. I mean, Georgia is still a program that has such a cult of personality and such a dynamic force as its head coach, Kirby Smart. Maybe that sucks some of the life um, you know, out of the attention other assistant coaches might get. There is still this perception that Georgia is a defensive-led program, and as good as the defense is, the offense obviously kind of kept pace very, very well. But perception sometimes rules the day, and maybe as good as Munkin's been, the perception's just not quite what it should be. I would also say that Munkin's one of those guys that I'm not quite so sure he seeks out the spotlight maybe as much as some do. There are a lot of offensive coordinators that like being on the sideline, for instance. I've always kind of joked they like to be seen cooking. You know, Lane Kiffin as an offensive coordinator was in Alabama. He liked to kind of put his hands up in the air when Alabama had a big play. He wanted everybody to know who it was that called that play. You know, Munkin, for the most part, is content to be in the coach's booth. That's a place you get less attention. You get shown on TV some, but it's still not quite the same hero shot that you have on the sideline, fist in the air when the big play gets called. But whatever the reason is, if it is indeed true, it sort of seems like the Todd Munkin has not quite gotten enough attention that he deserved for the successful turnaround that he has been the architect of here when it comes to Georgia offense. And I have to admit, while that maybe is not great for Todd, you know, obviously you want guys who are doing a great job to get the pats on the back they deserve. 
For those of us who are Georgia fans, maybe that has kind of been a little bit of a good thing because maybe you had less reason to worry that Munkin might leave because Munkin just wasn't quite getting the attention uh, that, that maybe he deserved. Well, then lo and behold, during a national championship game, he scored 65 points. And I was thinking during the game uh, this past Monday, well, if it was true that Munkin wasn't getting enough attention before to have this kind of offensive explosion on the very biggest stage the sport can provide – my guess is Todd Munkin's going to get a lot more attention. And I don't know if this is a coincidence or not, but sure enough, just a few days later, now you got Jeremy Fowler saying Todd Munkin's getting all this attention from NFL teams. And I would say that the national championship game is probably the number one reason why on that. So does Munkin want to go back to the NFL? I don't know. I would say these are the kinds of jobs. For, listen, I may be wrong about this, but the perception I have is is that being a play caller in the NFL might be more interesting to him to being the kind of head coach in a college place that where he has to sort of be the face of the program and kind of always be sort of smiling and happy and sort of play the role of the politician and do all the recruiting stuff and things like that to just go to the NFL if he wanted to and just call those plays and do all that with grown men he might like that better than being a head coach somewhere else so it's certainly not my you know uh place to say whether Munkin would leave the NFL or not but I've always kind of had the perception that maybe being a play caller in the NFL might be more interesting to him than being a head coach at somewhere in college like the Purdue job that he was rumored to be in the mix for being play caller for so-and-so NFL team or being head coach at Purdue just given what we think we know about Todd Munkin's personality I would think being an offensive coordinator calling the plays for an NFL team might be more interesting to him than that now is it more interesting than what he could have at Georgia? That's what we don't know, obviously. We may have to find out here over the course of the uh, next couple of weeks. Munkin's clearly the kind of guy that you would want to keep because of how successful that he has been. Now, Georgia's also got a lot of really smart guys that have been a part of the staff. Buster Faulkner, who just left, Mike Bobo, of course, and on and on you could go. And at different times, it seems like different people have had an influence on the Georgia offense, but I'm not going to sugarcoat how important Todd Munkin has been. Georgia fans have grown to love him. They've grown to celebrate him. And I think with good reason. So this is one of those rumors that we'll watch and see if this ever really truly gains leg. Sometimes this stuff on social media ends up just not really being much of a thing. And maybe the thing with Munkin uh, ends up being the same way. But based on the success that he's had at Georgia, I think he deserves to get some attention. Based on the success that he's had at Georgia, I think that Munkin deserves to get some job offers. It seems like he's been happy at Georgia in the past. I certainly hope that remains true because this is one of those guys that dog fans would obviously love to be able to keep. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us. Of course, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Uh, we're back on the radio again today on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. We were preempted yesterday because of the holiday. I'm glad to be back there again. And, of course, as a podcast, Apple, Spotify, everything else in between, uh, we try to make the show available and I'm always very, very thankful for those of you that allow us talk about Georgia football with you. Uh, it is a privilege that I take very, very seriously. Hopefully, I don't take myself too seriously. But the job that we do around here, I do take it seriously because um, it's just one of those things that's just an awesome privilege to be able to speak to you. So thank you very much on that. And uh, I'm grateful for sponsors that allow us to do this too. Our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. I love Jay and the team over there. I know how happy... Uh, they were when Georgia won the national championship. Uh, I know how deeply connected they feel to this Georgia program. They're proud partners of uh, UGA. They support the dogs. And uh, we love them. And I'm thankful for them. And 
I don't mind telling you at all that if you're dealing with a, a challenging situation like water where it's not supposed to be, cracks in your walls, those kind of foundation waterproofing issues, you've heard me say this before, Engineered Solutions of Georgia is a name you ought to know. They've got a full team of engineers on staff. There's no one in our market that can provide that level of resource to solve your problem if you're dealing with those foundation, those waterproofing issues. They're longtime friends of ours at Dog Nation. And it's, it is truly, truly uh, a great feeling to know we've got partners who've been with us every step of the way for such a long time. Our friends at ESOG are that. So please give them a call, 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW for your foundation, your waterproofing issues. We're very, very thankful to have Engineered Solutions of Georgia as part of uh, this show here today. Uh, all right, we're going to get uh, Jake Fromm coming up later on. I'm very happy to have Jake back on the show today. We'll look forward to talking to Jake here coming up in just a moment. Uh, we'll hear from Connor Riley here coming up in a couple of moments there as well. We'll try to balance the sadness of what we're feeling with uh, the the curiosity about kind of what's next for this Georgia football program in terms of the stuff that we knew we'd be talking about, like you know guys potentially moving on in the NFL draft or maybe choosing to stay or some of the other stuff that's out there. We'll try to see if we can strike the right balance and all that uh, moving forward. There's also a couple of other stories kind of outside the boundaries of uh, Georgia that I want to touch on before we're done here today too interesting for different reasons so we'll kind of get to all that as our show goes on uh, prior to that though let me go around the doghouse and it's presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union in addition to Georgia adding a couple of recruits yesterday for the class of 2025 and trying to follow some of the decisions that might come down in terms of the NFL draft there was also a handful of transfer portal uh, stories yesterday that I want to make you aware of uh, I guess to begin with, uh, Brett Scyther, a Georgia tight end, announced that he was transferring and then pretty quickly announced that he would be going to Georgia Tech. Uh, MJ Sherman, the outside linebacker, is transferring. He's on his way to Nebraska. And then we also found out yesterday that Dominic Blaylock is entering the transfer board. We don't yet know where Blaylock is going to go. And I guess the option you know exists that he might even return eventually but for now uh blaylock going into the transfer portal and maybe he'll end up following sherman and and scyther and kind of finding a new home there's no doubt that dominic's a very talented player if he does want to play somewhere else my guess is he'll have plenty of opportunities to do that and look i think in recent times we've had a lot we've had to make peace with a lot of new stuff in college athletics nil in some cases transfer portal and there are certain aspects of like the college football world that are a little bit more difficult to uh, make peace with but in this particular case these are the kinds of transfers that i just simply can't be mad at i mean i'd love to have sherman and blaylock and scyther i'd love to have everybody currently on this georgia team stay with this georgia team there's a certain attachment you feel to players that have been a part of your program but at the same time, you know, you understand that if you're a college athlete, you only get a small window to to participate in and 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 live out your college life. And obviously you want to take maximum opportunity to, to take full advantage of that, which means that if you're not playing as much as you want to, you want to go somewhere where you can. And so you saw the way in which Nebraska fans celebrated getting Sherman yesterday. You see the way in which tech fans, I'm sure, are going to celebrate getting Brett Scyther. If someone gets Dominic Blaylock, they're going to be celebrating big with him. And the same thing for some other Georgia guys that have recently gone on the transfer portal there as well, like Ryland Goaty and others. Uh, you know, you obviously see that these are going to be a very attractive prospects to other programs that might get them. And ultimately, I, I just can't be mad at that. I, I really can't. Um, that that if, if opportunity for playing time exists in greater measure somewhere else, then of course you'd want to go there and of course you'd want to do that so 
I wish them well as they do. And I'll tell you the words that really kind of ring in my head around all of this. And eventually we'll get back to sort of playing audio and things like that again. But the words that kind of ring in my head, what Kirby said on that Tuesday after the national championship last week in Los Angeles was kind of the final press conference before everybody went back home and went their separate ways. And he talked about transfer stuff and he talked about how the fact that it made him want to cry that players who knew they would be transferring chose to keep that quiet chose not to allow that to become a distraction chose to stay committed to a team that they knew they wouldn't be playing on in the future and part of the reason why they're transferring in the first place is because they maybe weren't playing as much as they would have liked to on on the team they were on and yet they still were willing to commit to a cause larger than themselves and allow georgia and, and really contribute to georgia winning another national championship I think smart's words on that ought to carry a lot of weight with us that a lot of these guys you know blaylock or scyther or, or 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 sherman or whoever else you know they were a, contr- a contribution to georgia no matter how much they played uh because of the fact that that they didn't allow themselves to become a distraction and 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 they were willing to contribute and they were willing to be a part of this team the connection that kirby smart talks about these guys were willing to stay connected even though they knew eventually their path might take them somewhere else so that matters to me and i I wish these guys well um i think a lot of us had the experience of seeing some transfer players move on we end up cheering for them at least to a degree with their new team and i think for a lot of these guys will do some version of that uh there as well depending on where maybe they land so we'll make that around the doghouse for you here right now it's obviously presented by georgia's own credit union and you know listen a lot of you kind of came back from uh los angeles you obviously have uh you know a lot of travel, a lot of things like that going on. New Year, you have big plans. I know my family, we're looking forward to a vacation. You're coming up very soon. Well, listen, for the things that you're doing, uh, trust me when I tell you that that those purchases, those things that you're already doing can be made more enjoyable when you use one of those Visa Signature and Platinum cards from our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. Because what they want to provide for you is um, – really a great incentive for for using their product i'm talking about flex rewards but can be used for gift cards your cash back travel merchandise so much more just as thank you to you for being a loyal customer to them you can also get up to 150 dollars when you open a new platinum or signature card and there are some restrictions so check out georgia's own.org for more details on that that's georgia's own.org for more details on that the word georgia spelled out georgia's own.org for a lot more all right, so before we're done, there was a very touching tribute last night during the NFL playoff game by a former dog to uh, uh, Devin and Chandler. We're going we're gonna, we're gonna to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Jake Fromm is going to join us today. I'm very thankful to have Jake on the show. But for everything else, obviously the, 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 the very sad circumstances that we're trying to make sense of and maybe some of the other stuff going on around uga right now uh let's also bring on our friend connor riley here on dog nation daily presented by esog today from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a DogNation.com insider I'm glad to have Connor Riley on the show today. Uh, Connor and I haven't really had a chance to talk in in person since all all of this has gone down. Uh, Connor, you're younger than me, and you're a lot closer to the age of the UGA football family that's kind of going through all of this right now. Um, I don't know if you knew Chandler personally. I I don't know how well you knew uh, Devin, but I am curious of, of your thoughts here in the midst of you know, trying to get back and cover this football team and I guess try to provide people a little bit of entertainment 
um, we're obviously still dealing with with, with our feelings about uh, what happened uh, late Saturday night. So I guess just let me give you the floor to say whatever you want to about what has happened here uh, at the University of Georgia. Yeah, um, it's it's an impossible tragedy to sort of try and wrap your mind around. Um, you know, Devin Willick was 20 years old. Chandler LaCroix was 24. Um, my sister is 24 years old. She's currently getting uh, her master's degree at the University of Georgia, so obviously this hits out close to home. And, you know, thinking about both of them, I mean, Devin, you know, I, I can't claim to know him well, but I know his story well. And this is a kid who, you know, as Rusty pointed out, took a Greyhound bus to come and work out at Georgia. And when he ultimately signs, then he comes up signing with Georgia after Josh Braun bails on the class. And, and Georgia brings him in. And he had a broken leg his senior year of high school. And, you know, weight was going to be an issue with him. It was something that he was going to have to battle. And we got a chance to talk to him, I'm pretty sure, back in the spring. And uh, B.A., you and I have both, you know, fluctuated with our rates with our weights and we know how sure. much of a battle that can be and, and this was a this was a kid who had just completely transformed his body into being I think one of the more athletic offensive linemen on this team you know going from 370 pounds to a rocked out 320 uh, the the mental fortitude it takes to go through that is just incredible and this is a guy who you know started multiple games for Georgia this past season it was a contributor on national title team and you know, it was a guy who was going to play a big role for this team next season, and you know his life is over, and it's just so incredibly crushing. And then with Chandler, you know, uh, I'm not a very outgoing person. Uh, you know, when people that know the dog know me through Dog Nation come up and see me and talk to me, know that like, I am just trying my hardest to put a smile on and like just try and seem like a personal person. She did that all the time, and you know it takes a special kind of person to do the job that she was doing. Yeah. And you know it, it, it said so often, but the light, the world, this world's a little less bright with Chandler and Devin not being in it. And you know you just you look at every picture of both of them, and they just have these massive smiles. You know every time you saw Devin, he always had this big smile on his face. He was so happy to be here. He was so happy to be a Georgia Bulldog. And I know Chandler felt the same way too and it's just hard you know uh, I think back to something you know because I've dealt with grief in my own life Uh, when you experience uh, loss on the level that this campus is now dealing with people that know the teammates of Devin and Chandler that know them so well um, there's the person you were before and there's the person you are after but you're never the same all you can do is just Put one foot in front of the X because uh, you're present and you're here, and that's all you really can do. And so, this community, this team, the the people that know them, uh, it's a very trying time. And all that we can offer them is, you know, just the ability to, to put one foot in front of the next and, and try and keep going when it is just so incredibly hard to do so. I think one of the things that I find most interesting about Chandler and Devin is the way in which at a very young age, both of them obviously very young, they seem to be very clear about what they wanted out of life. Uh, you know, starting with Devin here, you know, in Jeff's story, the fact that he sought out a spot on Paramus Catholic's roster, that's a power program in the Northeast, and he clearly 
wanted to be a part of that team. And then, as you said, taking the Greyhound bus to come down here to Georgia, clearly thought that Georgia was the right place for him to be. The level of clarity that he had, even as a high schooler, about what he wanted to, his life to look like, I don't think I had that. And, and for someone like Chandler, I mean, I'm, I'm sure she must have had thoughts all the time about – do I want to work this hard? You know, when she probably saw her friends doing things that maybe she wasn't getting to do because she was preparing for junior day or preparing for whoever was going to be on campus. And that's a lot of work. And a lot of that's thankless. I mean, you get a little bit of fame on social media for it, but there's a lot of that kind of work that just doesn't get noticed. And, and, and no one realizes the way in which you're kind of putting the grind in. And yet she seemed very clear about, yeah, this is what I, uh, you know, want to do. And I find that to be, um, I guess incredibly inspiring on one hand, but on another hand, it makes it so much more sad to know that these were young people that seemed to have a very sharp level of focus about what they wanted their lives to look like and all the more reason why this is just such a tragic story. Yeah, uh, they were doing what they loved. And you've heard in talking to people around the program, they've told us time and time again, look, Georgia's not for everyone. And you know, this is a hard program to make it at and both of these people had made it here and you know were contributing members to the back-to-back national championship teams and and it's not you know this isn't something you know being a football player or working on that recruiting staff that's not something that you can't have your entire heart invested in um and they did that and they did it every single day and it just sort of speaks to the level of commitment that they had, the drive that they had, the types of people that they were to where, you know, they could have elected to go do something else. They're certainly talented and capable enough to do so, but it meant a lot to both of them uh, in the reporting that we've seen on both Devin and Chandler and who they were as people. It meant something to them to do it at the University of Georgia, and, and that's what makes the loss of them so much, so much harder was that they wanted to be here and in the hours after, you know, a rare celebratory moment where, you know, this Georgia program, yes, you know, they were, uh, you know, enjoying Saturday and all that they had accomplished. But, you know, Devin and Chandler also knew, hey, like the work's going to continue and it's not that far away from doing so. And and they enjoyed that aspect of it as well. And so, you know, for them to be gone it is there's just no words that we can really put out there and, and speak into you know, but we, we can try and help. I, I know from my standpoint, you mentioned, you know, we, 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 we provide entertainment. And, you know, I'll write the news when it comes in and, you know, try and provide some thoughts about what comes next for Georgia. But it's just so impossible to think about anything else. I'm mean, really Devin and Chandler and obviously uh, Tori and Warren, how they are doing yeah. and their mental mindset right now and, and how they you know, deal with what comes next. With that in mind, it's awkward to transition to anything else, but there is some confusion out there, Connor, and I'm hoping that you might be able to kind of help us maybe understand this a little bit more to the extent that it can be understood. I think a lot of people were expecting to get an announcement yesterday from Cedric Von Perron Granger, Lyle McConkie, maybe, uh, maybe Xavier Truss about what their future was going to be at, at Georgia, and you know, that didn't come. We obviously understand the fact that, you know, right now the business of football at Georgia, at least in the immediate aftermath of what happened, you know, clearly they need some space and they need some grace and all of that. But for people who kind of want to understand, okay, what the timeline might be to hear more about what might be next for those guys, is there anything you can tell us about that right now? Yeah, so the official list of NFL draft early entrants will be sent to the NFL on Friday. And so what players can do and have done in the past is they can enter their name up to Monday 
and then have the ability through Thursday at midnight to possibly remove their name from the NFL draft entry list. I know there has also been some talk about Georgia officially Georgia players getting an extension given the extenuating circumstances surrounding them. But I, you know, obviously, you know, Cedric, uh, you know, Xavier Trust was roommates with Devin Lloyd. Like mm-hmm. their mind is just so far from what that is. And ultimately, you know, by the end of this week, I do think we'll know where the decision lies. Um, but the NFL has given them some leeway already in terms of, you know, you can enter your name in and you have until Thursday to pull it out. Um, and I expect, you know, at some point later this week, we'll get an official clarification on where those guys are leaning. But, you know, right now their minds are just, and they have to be, they're just so far from the idea of, okay, I gotta, I gotta prepare a graphic, thank everyone for my time at UGA, and all that comes with that or make another graphic of whether or not I'm coming back like that. It's just, that just seems so irrelevant in, in the grand scheme of things. And look, I know I, you know, wrote about it this morning, like, and I'll be honest here, you know, some people, you know, they want to know the answers. They want to, they want to do that. Like I, I, I personally, like I don't feel comfortable poking around and asking that kind of stuff. Yeah. And look with Frederick and lad and Xavier and, and whoever else, when they want to make those announcements, like I'll, I'll, I'll write after that. But like, you know, to go inquiring around about that, you know, and I'd much rather hear how they're doing mentally and how they're trying to overcome this great tragedy than figure out what they're going to be doing or who they're going to be playing for next year. I talked a little bit about the Todd Munkin rumor before you joined us. Do you agree with something that I've said, which is that over the course of the last couple of years, for as successful as Munkin has been as the offensive coordinator at Georgia, I don't know that he quite got as much attention for that as maybe his success deserved. For instance, he'll be a Broyles Award finalist, but I never really got the impression he was going to win the award. It always just seemed like somebody else was getting more attention than he was. And then lo and behold, you know, he scored 65 points in a national championship game. And all of a sudden, I think I even may have said this. I said this to somebody on Monday night. Well, I guess now he's about to start getting a little bit more attention. And now we have the Jeremy Fowler rumor out there that he might be on the radar for some NFL teams as a potential offensive coordinator. You know, what What do you make of this? First of all, do you agree with my premise that all of a sudden now to have that kind of success on the biggest stage is going to make him more of a target potentially for NFL teams? And I guess, what do you think Munkin's response might be to all that? Yeah, I, um, I'm not surprised by it. That's just sort of, you know, you and I, you follow, we follow this industry close enough. We know sort of the, the ebbs and flows that come with it. Uh, I, I, you know, given his background in the NFL beforehand, I'm not surprised he gets mentioned there. Um, I, I will say I'd be pretty surprised if he does end up leaving just because, you know, the way his contract is written, he has a buyout that would need to be paid if he does leave for the NFL, whereas if he were to leave to be a college head coach, he would not. And that would sort of lead me to believe that Todd Munkin wants to be a college head coach more so than he necessarily does a college offensive or a, an NFL offensive coordinator. And I'll take this one step further. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of your success as an NFL offensive coordinator is tied directly to who your quarterback is. Uh, you know, you can look at Greg, Greg Roman of the Baltimore Ravens right now when he has Lamar Jackson, things are going great. When he doesn't have Lamar Jackson, things aren't going all that well for him. And so I think a lot of that is tied to the situation of who you have as a quarterback, whereas at the collegiate level, especially when you're at a place like Georgia and you have such an overwhelming talent advantage, I mean, look, I, I, Seth Bennett's an incredible quarterback. There's no denying that there. But, you know, with the benefits that Georgia has and the talent and the, and the inequality that exists in the college game, 
you're not as dependent on a star quarterback and having great quarterback play each and every week that you are at the NFL level. And I think that can be appealing to Todd Munkin, given, you know, you look where he's worked in the past in the NFL, the quarterbacks have been Ryan Fitzpatrick, Baker Mayfield, and it's rare to get a shot at a guy like a like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Josh Allen. And so I do think that the college game and the college atmosphere, I think that suits Munkin right now. I think he prefers the college game. I think he loves the freedom and the responsibility that he has at the University of Georgia. And so I understand why NFL teams would go after him, but I, I just with the way things have gone for Munkin, I would be pretty surprised at this point if he does, in fact, end up leaving Georgia at this point in the offseason and the way things have gone for him at Georgia to go be an NFL offensive coordinator. So I think we're on the same page on that. I, I certainly get the impression that Munkin's very happy here, and he's obviously very well paid here. Something else that you said, and you may very well be right, I guess I'm a little bit surprised because it seems like my instinct on this is a little bit different, that Munkin's this sort of no-nonsense guy, and I mean, you know, interviewing him the uh, national championship, you know, he just sort of tells it like it is. He doesn't hold back in the way that some college coaches can sometimes be a little bit more political with their answers. I guess I always sort of assume that that kind of personality, you might call it gruff, I don't, I don't know what the right adjective necessarily to describe it is, that it might just sort of fit in with sort of the grown man culture of the NFL as opposed to having to be the kind of happy face of a college program that I think I agree with you that I don't have any indication that Munkin's going to leave Georgia, but I guess I always assume that an NFL offensive coordinator being the guy that actually got to call the play, something that he did in Tampa, would be more appealing to him than being a head coach in college where you have to do kind of more of the stuff that uh, I'm not quite so sure that Todd Munkin necessarily loves doing. Uh, would you mind expanding on your thought on that just a little bit more? Yeah, uh, you know, I think he, his personality, and when we've seen him in interviews, it just runs so stark to what Kirby Smart ha- has has done and been about. Like, I understand where you're coming from in, in that, but there's, you know, and, and look, I think you can go back and look at the way things went down with him in Cleveland his last year, as an offensive coordinator there, there's a certain level of politicking in the NFL that you don't have to deal with in college, I think, especially in his role as an offensive coordinator at Georgia. And, you know, maybe when he becomes a head coach, when that day comes, you know, there's some handshaking he'll have to do, but there's not the same level of appeasement that you have to go through of, you know, validating your NFL quarterback, trying to set him up for success, the microscope at the NFL level, is so much bigger than it is at the college level. And so I think because of that, you know, Todd Munkin, well, yes, he is the, a, a stark personality contrast when he gets in front of the media with Kirby Smart. Uh, I, I do think that behind closed doors, I think Kirby and Todd are probably a little bit more similar than maybe perhaps we give them credit for. And, and I think that because of that, I, I do think that Todd, you know, sees a path forward where – things keep going well for him at Georgia I do think that team is going to realize hey like this guy's just too good to, to let you know be out there and look we've seen coaches later in, in, in their coaching stages, stages have success at, at a big level you know Willie Fritz at Tulane comes to mind you know obviously Paul Johnson ran a triple option but Paul Johnson had a lot of success at Georgia Tech there and so I do think that in the college game you know Matt Brown is still having some level of success at North Carolina you have seen these coaches who are a little bit older and maybe get started a little bit later in their coaching lives have more success. Whereas you look at the NFL, a lot of these guys that are getting hired now are just younger and younger. You know, uh, Kevin O'Connell, 
um, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, you know, Cliff Kingsbury years ago for the Arizona Cardinals, those guys, Sean McVay, those guys are of a younger cut than Todd Munkin is, and where I think at the college level, they're maybe a little bit more willing to hire someone of Munkin's age. Granted, he's only 56. He's not a dinosaur. Right. Um, I, I think at the NFL level, you, you see a push to hire younger uh, minds, so to speak. Well, Connor, it's always good to talk football with you. I appreciate you doing that with us here today. We will look forward to continue reading what you write at dognation.com and obviously uh, enjoy the idea of getting together under happier circumstances again very soon. Yep. Uh, I talked to your people, telling you all of them, hug somebody today, and uh, thanks for having me on behalf. No doubt, Connor. Thanks so much. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. I think what Connor says there is really true at the end that when you when you come down to it like that's just you know every opportunity to just grab somebody and bring them close to you whether it be your wife your kids your friends just you know we should never need an excuse want to draw closer to the people in our lives and you know this is obviously the 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 portion of the show which will transition talk a little bit about Royal Caribbean and I know that may seem like a little bit of a weird thing talk about a day like this but I'm telling you right now what it's kind of gone with our family the last couple of days is we have a vacation coming up in in february and um i tell you like the happiest stuff for me i mean honestly i even as happy as as, as being on the cruise itself is is that chance to kind of we'll watch like the youtube videos and the things like that we'll get excited about it and i just love seeing the excitement in my kids and i love sharing this with them and i don't want to miss that life i really don't i, I want to make sure i'm present for all of that so you know it sounds corny because they're sponsored but i'm grateful for royal caribbean because they're giving me this level of happiness right now that i'm able to share with my kids and ultimately that's the stuff that that really matters in life so you know one of these days we'll get back to feeling really really good about the dog nation cruise and i I promise we're gonna have so much fun on that it seems weird to to kind of brag on that too much right now so let me kind of do what needs to be done uh, royaldogs.com that's the website royaldogs.com jessica slater is a great travel agent you can call her 770-718-9147 770-718-9147 uh, but i don't mind telling you I, i'm i'm thankful f- you know for for jessica i'm thankful for royal caribbean because we got this cruise plan for my family the one we're about to take um that has brought us a lot of happiness it really has and um stuff like that matters in life and so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about being able to do that. I, I love our great partners. Uh, Royal Caribbean's a great one. Royal Caribbean's kind of introduced Jessica to us, and she's become a good friend of ours too. So I'm thankful for having people like that in our lives, and I'm uh, happy to tell their stories, even on days when obviously maybe it doesn't feel you know quite so, so easy to want to try to have fun. So uh, thankful for them and thankful for all of you there as well. Let me cruise around the SEC now, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And... Um, I'll talk a little bit about C.J. Stroud. This is not an SEC story, but it is interesting to SEC fans. There had been some chatter yesterday, or I guess the last couple of days, that Stroud might stay at Ohio State and ultimately made the decision that I'm sure he was likely maybe always going to make, which is going to the NFL. But there had certainly been plenty of like rumor and innuendo that he might stay at Ohio State. And the thought here was, well, maybe here's this big-time quarterback and some sort of NIL deal can pay him enough money that he can stay in college, become a very rich man there, and then go on and get that money later on from the NFL. And ultimately, that didn't happen. And some people sort of spin this. Well, I guess it just goes to show you that the rumors of Ohio State not being as built out from an NIL standpoint, maybe they're really true. Maybe that's maybe that's kind of indeed the case here. And 
I think my overall take on this is probably just a, a, a little bit different than that in that, I mean, ultimately, no college team is ever going to be able to pay NIL money the way that an NFL team can pay salary money. Just never going to be the same thing. And I think it's important to understand the reason why that is. When an NFL billionaire gives a bunch of money to a player, millions and millions of dollars, that NFL billionaire owner gets back, theoretically, a return on investment for the money that he invests. It's part of his payroll. And by paying these players, they go out, they succeed. The franchise gets more attention. The franchise then grows in value because of the players that he's paying. Whereas in college football, that's not the way it works. For instance, if I'm like billionaire Georgia booster and I offer this big you know, NIL deal so-and-so player i really don't get any return on investment on that my net worth is diminished by giving that money away it's not tax deductible um i don't reap financial rewards as a as a kind of a dividend coming back on that i'm not an nfl owner from the standpoint that the success that player has generates revenue for me if i'm a georgia booster it may generate happiness for me that the player's playing well but i don't get my money back whereas if you're an NFL team and you have C.J. Stroud as your quarterback, whatever money you give him, theoretically, you ought to give that back the same way that whatever money my employer gives me, they get back from me, hopefully multiples of that because of the success that I generate as the uh, host of this show and as an NFL guy. It doesn't necessarily quite work out that way. And when you're left to say, well, you know, why does anybody ever give money to anything? Like in, in politics, things like that, you say, well, I don't get money back for giving this money. At least you're not supposed to, but maybe I get some sort of power and influence. But for the very best college coaches, you're not going to get that either. You know, in other words, if I were a billionaire and I went to Kirby and said, hey, I'm going to give you $20 million. I want you to go out and get so-and-so player. But once you get him, let me tell you, I want you to use him. Hopefully Kirby Smart, even in the face of that kind of financial windfall, would say, listen, you can give me the NIL money if you want to, but you're not telling me how to use the player. So I don't even get because that's what good coaches should do in a situation like that. So I don't even get the power and influence that money could potentially buy. And that's going to be one of the challenges going forward with NIL. I believe it's here to stay. I believe it's obviously a very present part of the the football conversation. And in some respects, it may even be more present than, than we realize, even on kind of the smaller scale from time to time. But in terms of generating the kind of really big dollars that are either rumored or fantasized about or whatever else, I think the question you have to keep coming back to is, what does the donor get for giving that money? If all it is is a reduction of his net worth, then ultimately, you're just never going to raise the kind of money that you uh, want to be able to raise. Let me also squeeze this in really quick. Then we're going to bring on Jake Fromm on the show. So you're probably aware that Pete Golding has moved on, become defensive coordinator at Ole Miss after uh, you know having been in Alabama. The the rumor that's out there on this is is this is a a, a kind of a push out on the part of Nick Saban. There's been some people that have disputed that. Cole Kublik has disputed that. But the larger prevailing thought here seems to be that Nick Saban wants new coordinators, certainly in the case of Pete Golding, potentially maybe in the case of Bill O'Brien. I think it remains to be seen how that all evolves for Tuscaloosa. We're going to be watching that. But I did want to mention much the same way we had the Todd Munkin rumor near the top of the show today. There'd also been the rumor involving Glenn Schumann. Well, maybe Schumann goes back to Alabama. Uh, we even mentioned this on video the other night after uh, uh, um, uh, Dion Bowie, uh, you know, committed to Georgia to the transfer portal. That that rumor is kind of out there. Well, since then we've seen Schumann recruiting for Georgia. He may be back on the trail again here this week. Uh, 
up to this point in time, there really isn't a lot of evidence to suggest that maybe Schumann really is a, a candidate for Alabama defensive coordinator, that he's interested in that job at all. I'm not saying it's over and done with and not worth following, but the evidence we have thus far is that Schumann is still very much hard at work there at UGA. So we'll keep paying attention to that. We'll make that cruise and run the SEC, uh, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And we'll also get ready here as a part of a Kroger Fresh take to bring on uh, former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm. And boy, oh boy, the conversation that we're going to have with Jake is a lot different than the one that I had initially planned on happening I was looking forward to this we didn't get to talk to Jake last week I was really looking forward to to hearing from Jake about his excitement about the national championship and obviously we'll do some of that but in light of what's going on you have to talk about the other sad and tragic news there as well so as we bring on Jake from here's part of our Kroger Fresh Take Jake I am so sorry that we have to talk under these circumstances because I'm sure a story like this hits you harder than it hits even those of us who are deeply saddened by this i'm sure it hits you even harder than that because you've been a part of that georgia program and i guess you're still around uh you know you know these folks here a lot so i guess if you don't mind here would you mind telling us you know did you know chandler personally did you know devon personally and you know um uh, you know how does this news uh, affect you here and i'm sorry that that's our discussion today but obviously it is what's on the mind of everybody right now. Um, you know, what what can you tell us about your feelings about what, what what you've been going through over the course of the last couple of days? Yeah, hey Brandon, uh, man, it's just it's absolutely terrible. Um, man, you go from the highest of highs, a national championship, to just the absolute lowest of lows. Um, just for your the program for the state of Georgia for for anyone who knows these two individuals, it is extremely extremely just sad and just terrible. Uh, to hear, um, I did did know both of them personally. Had runs with both of them. Um, both of them just extremely, just great human beings. Uh, Chandler always had a smile on her face, and and Devin too, just a, a competitor and a, a hard worker, and um, just a great young man. So, um, man, terrible news. I, I I know just just everyone in that program and and everyone who knows these two individuals are just hurting right now. Um, and it's, it's, it's sad, man. It, it really is. Um, I hate it. Um, the only thing we can do is just is pray, pray, pray uh, for comfort uh, for the families. Um, and that's that's it, man. Just just any, anything we can. And um, just know that we're thinking of them, uh, praying for them, and um, here to do whatever we need to do to, to help them get through this. I think that's really well said, Jake. I really do. Would you mind, for our audience, they probably feel like they know Devin a little bit better just because he's a guy that we've seen on TV for Chandler we've learned a lot more about her recently you know as somebody who played in the program when you think about the role that the recruiting staff like this plays you know what would her life have been like on a daily basis and what was she doing for Georgia behind the scenes that maybe not everybody in our audience fully understands yeah uh I mean just simply put just recruiting her butt off I mean there is a whole lot more hours put into that job um than meets the eye than people think um, and they are really an extension of of Kirby uh, and the coaching staff and what they do for recruiting. Um, I mean, these are the individuals who are day in and day out um, with recruits, with players. Um, they build very personal relationships uh, with these players. Um, and, uh, man, they, they, they do such a great job, and they're so underappreciated. Um, and what they do, um, and they, they they really do do an incredible job. And Georgia has um, an extremely great group of these recruiting staff that they have. Um, they do a great job, uh, bring great people in. Um, and and Chandler 
is definitely one of them, uh, and she will she will very very uh, well be missed. I think in the case of Dev and Jake, you know. We don't get to see the inner workings of the team very much, but during like Bowl Week and National Championship Week, as you'll remember from your own career, the media is just around a little bit more. There are media days. There are interactions with sort of media and player that doesn't typically go on. And so I had seen, you know, Devin with his teammates, especially those offensive linemen teammates, a lot over the last, you know, couple of weeks. And I just am struck by how much they all just seem to be bonded. You know, Kirby talks a lot about sort of the connectedness, the connection that the team has, and I don't think that's lip service. I do think that was a serious thing. And when you get invited to kind of be kind of a fly on the wall, at least for a little bit the way we were the last couple of weeks, you just see them laughing and joking together. They spend a lot of time together. I know some of that's hard work, and I'm sure there are lots of days when none of those guys are obviously getting along because, you know, the the act of playing football just sometimes – doesn't lend yourself to be in a very good mood i'm sure but man to see them smiling and laughing and having fun together first of all it just makes being a part of a team seem like the most fun thing in the world and b i think it kind of brings out even more emotion right now because of just how full of life he always seemed to be when he was surrounded by his teammates and they were joking about whatever it was they might have been joking about in that particular moment yeah um connection was uh their theme this year uh and i definitely think the buy-in uh, from the players and from the staff um, was definitely bought in to that idea, to that theme. Um, and, and, you know, your anecdote, like you said, uh, just seeing the guys during bowl practice, during bowl week, uh, just interacting um, and just competing with each other, obviously, um, but having a good time doing it. Um, there's a level of respect uh, that gets earned um, just throughout the course of the season, through spring practice, through the summer workouts, through camp, and then through uh, the season, I promise there is not much about each other that these guys don't know, uh, especially in college. You know, when you're living with one another, um, they, they get very, very closely acquainted. Um, and, uh, man, you, you just build very, very deep relationships um, and just just to, to spend time with the guys. Uh, and, I, and I know Devin – uh, was well loved and well received on the team, and and just full life and full joy. And um, man, just just sad. It didn't even really feel feel real, to be honest. And now, last thing for you on this particular topic, but because of the connection, because of what Kirby's kind of called those skull sessions, where the players have gotten very used to being open and sharing with each other. I think the hope that a lot of us have is is that might set up Georgia to be able to handle this a little bit. And I'm not talking about winning football games. I'm not talking about getting back to the business of football. I'm talking about just dealing with the kind of like the immediate feelings that that come out of all of this that that georgia already seems to have some infrastructure in place to kind of handle some of this is that the sense that you get because you're obviously much closer to this than 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 we are is that this team is already comfortable talking to each other already comfortable to a certain extent sharing uh each other's feelings and so therefore they may kind of already have a little bit of a pathway in place to be able to do some of this yeah 100 there is uh, there's a culture of competitiveness, of toughness, of discipline, of winning uh, in that building. But um, yeah, uh, don't don't get me wrong on this. There, there's also um, uh, there's also love and and, and care uh, in that building as well. Um, and and what they've done over the course of the season, uh, being able to to learn about each other, to get close like they have, um, is definitely going to help in this situation. Um, and it's it's not something. Uh, that that you really prepare for because uh, I mean no one saw saw this coming and um, but I, I definitely think it will help um, them get through this um, 
in a, in a, in a much better way uh, than otherwise. I want to ask you one more before we let you go. And before we do that, I want to remind folks, it's our Kroger a Fresh Tag with Jake Fromm here right now. And, of course, this upcoming weekend, Kroger's got a great opportunity for you and your kids to be a part of Kroger Chef Jr. It's a guided kids cooking experience where you get a chance to watch your kids, you know, prepare some food, be a part of that, learn more about that. This month they're making the dumpling sandwich and just $7 per child. Uh, you get a chance to make the dumpling sandwich, but you also kind of come away with a uh, apron and a patch, a chef's hat, a recipe card and box, and the dumpling maker. You can go to KrogerChefJr.com and find out more about that. That's where Junior spelled out, J-U-N-I-O-R. KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. Uh, Jake, hard to transition away to something else, but we're obviously all you know dying to hear your thoughts about what you thought about the the national championship and how happy you were to see uh, your program bring home a second straight national championship. Uh, how much fun was that for you to see the way in which Georgia played last Monday night? Look, I, I mean, I, I think we all thought uh, the dogs would win, uh, and they would win, you know, in a, in a very strong uh, and admirable fashion. Uh, but I don't think anyone saw uh, sixty-five to seven coming. Uh, that was just a, an unbelievable performance. Um, to something that you know that 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 the semifinal game where they you know quote unquote maybe have had gotten away with one uh, about time that actually happened uh, to our program for once, um, and then to go out and and show the rest of the world that hey we are the best team in the country uh, and to do it the way they did it complete dominance on defense complete dominance on offense did Stetson Bennett didn't even get touched yeah. I believe in the entire game. Um, the the dominating up front uh, these young guys did uh, bear uh, and number thirteen did on the edge. Sure. Um, uh, it was just 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 incredible. Uh, the only thing that TCU did on offense uh, was take advantage of a, of a bone coverage uh, and and have like a fifty sixty yard throw and get a touchdown. That that was it. Other than that, it was one hundred percent all Georgia, and there was nothing they could do about it. Boy, Jake, it's a it's a fun thing to think about in the months to come. I know Georgia fans will look forward to. Uh, reminiscing about that so much more i appreciate you sharing your thoughts and obviously i appreciate you also giving us some insight into what is a very tough time with this georgia football program there as well um you know we're gonna be praying for you too jake because as you said before you knew uh these folks personally and that means a lot to us so please pass on our our feelings and our condolences to everybody there at uga and we will certainly look forward to talking hopefully very soon under much happier circumstances yeah absolutely brandon thank you good stuff there from jake Fromm. we love talking to him uh we're grateful to have relationships like that and uh thankful that uh, jake can help kind of share a little bit about what made uh chandler and devin such special people and uh, obviously a hard conversation for him just given the fact that he knew them personally and he's obviously still very close a lot of people they're out at the with the georgia program and it is not an easy time at all and we want to be as respectful for that as we can uh, possibly be as uh, this team tries to deal with that. We'll close with this today. Um, a lot of folks seemingly got some comfort from this. You know, last night, the NFL playoff game, Jake Martin is obviously the Tampa Bay Bucks punter. And this got shared on social media a lot, and I think rightly so. Uh, Jake Kamarna uh, is obviously a great dude and very, very nice in the towel that he wore in his uniform last night. You see the uh, number 77 for uh, Devin Willock, the RIP for uh Devin and Chandler uh, a very very nice sentiment by Jake Kamara it's the kind of thing that's been shared with me a lot Georgia fans were clearly moved by this I 
I certainly hope the families of, of both Devin and Chandler were too. I know the Georgia football program probably was there as well. So Jake Martin is a guy that we uh, really like. We've enjoyed cheering for him this year in the NFL as he's had you know, quite a number of exploits. And uh, last night was obviously a very, very classy move on his part to do what he did. So uh, Jake, thanks for that. And thanks to all of you for being here. And we'll look forward to seeing you back here again tomorrow.